coming up on the Smitty and Mitty Show this week. We'll dive into the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup champions, and be joined by Kelsey Nicole Nelson, our good friend of the show. And it all starts now. And now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb. For real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Smitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. This is the Smitty Mini Show. Smitty Mini Show back for another week here on the TSMS Radio Network and the Smitty and Mini Show podcast. Noah Smith and Tyler Middleton back with you here for the next hour on your uh, on your speakers, whether that's the radio, the TV, whatever you're listening to on the podcast. Uh, we're coming at you for the next hour here with some great sports content. Big thank you to our sponsors, first of all. Before we get going, Goldline Curling, the choice of champions and Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial in Kincardine. Life is brighter under the sun. Mr. Middleton, how are you doing? It has been an absolutely insane week for news headlines coming into the show. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about. I mean, there's no point in uh, in gabbing too much off the top, just you and me, because, I mean, there is so much to talk about. Uh, thankfully, our, our guest coming up, um, we're going to talk some NBA here just a little bit. And, and she originally was booked for like for Monday, and then we realized, oh, that's the that's the NBA game five. And thankfully, she could push it later in the week, so we knew what would happen. So congratulations the Denver Nuggets. We'll talk about the NBA, all the headlines coming up in just a little bit. Uh, I don't, I don't even know. Like, I just don't even know where to start because there's so much. First of all, congratulations to yourself and the Ottawa Senators. You have owners. Yes, Senators finally have an ownership group. Uh, Michael Andlauer is uh, the new owner of the Ottawa Senators, with a bid coming in just a hair under a billion dollars. Um, and like, just one of the biggest news stories of the week for all of about like six hours until the next big thing came along it seemed uh it has been a jam-packed week but coming from an Ottawa Senators fan listen uh we're just happy that this kind of saga is over right we can move forward now now you can start hoping and seeing uh maybe some possible moves in the front office the coaching staff and from beyond that everything now can finally start to fall into place so happy to see that the ownership group has finally been decided but how much like you joked that it's only a headline for six minutes or whatever, but really how much does it really affect the Ottawa centers? I mean, it really doesn't. They already have a new arena agreed on from, from as far as I know, they um, they're going to stay in Ottawa. And I don't think that was ever up for debate. It was just, who's going to be cutting the checks. That was pretty much it. So, I mean, does it change the Ottawa centers at all from whatever it was Tuesday to Wednesday or whenever pen went to paper i i don't think so they're the same team they're in the same area they're just new pockets new billionaires who are in charge of them well exactly and i think it, well, it changes a little bit because certain ownership groups were rumored to be more willing to make moves in the front office than others were um and i think that is going to decide a whole lot for the ottawa senators this offseason there's already a name being thrown around and alex debrinkit who from what i've read and from what i'm hearing if there's not a new coaching staff in place, he's going to want out. 
right? He's not a fan of how DJ Smith has been running things. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out kind of in the next couple of weeks, uh, months into the summer here. And as we work our way towards the 2023, 2024 season. I mean, but that doesn't really fall on the shoulders of, of the ownership group at all. Like, I mean, that decision comes from the president and your general manager. Like it doesn't really have anything to do with the ownership group. Those are things that happen internally. And at side note, you can't let one player decide the fate of your coaching staff. Unless it's unless you're talking about McDavid or Crosby or McKinnon or guys who are going to change the organization. And I, I mean, I'll throw Matthews in there. Let's just throw them in there. Guys who are going to affect the game on the ice in such a way. Like, who really cares? I don't think Dabrinkit's going to do that. Is going to change the ice long enough that if you think DJ Smith's doing a good job, then he's going to stay in the front. He's going to stay as the coach and – if Debrinket wants to stay, great. If he doesn't, then you'll find some pieces for him. You can't let one player decide the fate of your team behind the bench. Well, I don't think he is, and I don't think if that's the way that came out, I don't. I didn't mean it that way. Um, I'll be surprised if DJ Smith is the head coach in Ottawa come the start of the season. I just I think the Sens were waiting for all the ownership group stuff to be figured out uh, before um, either. Pierre Dorian or whoever might be in the next GM uh, gets to make that decision. So uh, we'll wait and see, but nonetheless, it's, it's, it's good for senators fans to finally see uh, a new ownership group come in. The Melnick sisters get to uh, retain 10% of the club, which is good to see. Uh, and more importantly, the senators are, are staying in Ottawa. So uh, there is a little bit of concern there for a little bit for a lot of Ottawa senators fans. So that is good to hear. So let's stay with hockey because uh as well, the Vegas Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup in a, a rather boring <laughs> Stanley Cup final. I'm, you could tell the Florida Panthers were just overmatched and were out of it from the start. They were never really in the series, even winning one game. And it was like an overtime desperation win. And it really meant nothing. So there isn't a whole lot to talk about, I don't think, with the Stanley Cup finals. And there's there's two glaring things. One I don't want to get into. It's been conversations all over the place and it's about Phil Kessel and if he is now a hall of famer, I don't want to have those discussions. I just, I don't want to do it right now. What I do is want to discuss is just did, did the NHL get exactly what they wanted here from the very start when the Vegas golden Knights were given the expansion draft, were given championship team on a plate and, and made the Stanley cup final in year one. Is this exactly what the NHL wanted? And is that appropriate for you as a fan of a team who's been along, been around for so long that a fan base who's only been there for six years, who hasn't known not having success, who hasn't known disappointment, is all of a sudden cheering themselves as Stanley Cup champions? Yeah, I don't want to be the guy that starts to, you know, nitpick on certain things, but um this almost works out nitpicking. This almost works out perfectly for the NHL. Um, had Vegas won in that first season when they made the Stanley Cup final, it almost would have certainly looked like the NHL did everything they could to make that happen. Now, getting to the Stanley Cup final still kind of proves that. But now, six years later, they've been successful every year. They've been in the mix every year. And now here they are. It took them a little over half a decade. And Vegas has their Stanley cup. I, I think the NHL, this is exactly what they're looking for as far as marketing down in the States um, in some of those Southern States, it worked out perfectly for them. It just sucks for hockey fans and people who have been generations of fans, right? Kids and dads and grandparents who've been waiting 
for something like that. Um, it just feels at some point you got to think, is this us or is the NHL not want us to win? Yeah. And I wonder too, because there's a lot of conversation, I think, and I hear when I say a lot, it's just literally in my bubble that I see, but about how the Vegas crowd and the Vegas fans are, you know, a very passionate group and deserve the Stanley cup just as much as any other group. And I don't know if that's true because do you, all again, all they've known is success. Like they, I think they missed, they've missed the playoffs once in their six years or whatever it is. Like this team, they haven't had to go through a rebuild where you're losing 90% or 80% of your games and still had to stick around with the team. It's just been a party because they constantly win. So, can you even call that a consistent fan base or is this just a mirage of? a team that did well and and people that followed a team that was doing well. It's a lot easier to be a fan of a team that's winning is kind of my point. Well, exactly. And you look forward to the future, right? If Vegas, and it's going to come, right? There's going to come a time, whether that's next year, whether that's a few years down the road where Vegas is not a competitive team for a few years stretch. And I think that's where you'll get the real look at hockey in Las Vegas. Cause that's where you get the real look at hockey and pro sports anywhere is in the bad years, all right? There's places, uh, Toronto, Montreal, uh, teams like that can be terrible, and they're still going to get the fan support because they have the history, they have uh, the, the fan base there. There's other places, even look north to Ottawa, right? Ottawa, if, if things are bad, the fan attendance is low, right? Las Vegas hasn't had the chance yet, so I think we'll we'll wait and see. Um, but the NHL, right, they're laughing right now. This is exactly what they wanted uh, seven years ago when they named Vegas the 31st team in the NHL. So one more, I think, sport note to get to before we move on to a non-sport note and hit a break and get to our guest coming up just on the other side of that break. The Canadian Open, Nick Taylor, had one of the most astounding finishes to any tournament being the first Canadian in, I don't even remember how long it was, 30 60, plus years? 69 years. Well, I guess technically that is 30 plus years. So Yeah, it that is. That is more than uh, First Canadian. Well, I wasn't wrong. Is yeah, first Canadian to win the Open in 69, first Canadian in uh, 24 to win any tournament on Canadian soil. That's incredible. And I mean, to do it with a 72-foot putt, that it's basically a walk-off that gets the crowd so energized and i mean the guy is just an absolute stud and going into the u.s open this weekend i think i mean he's hot let's see if uh, if he he's not going to win the tournament let's see if he can finish top 20 do something kind of spectacular uh but i think in a year where once again the canadian open was overshadowed by a live storyline and this being the live pga merger that it was able to shine through and the tournament was able to shine through with a, with an absolute, a story that's going to go down in Canadian history, I think. And that putt you're going to see for many and many and many years to come. So congratulations to Golf Canada for putting on a great tournament. And but we always say that, but really, what did Golf Canada do? Yeah, <laughs> well, and exactly. I, I was going to touch on that as well. The, what that did was it saved the weekend. It did, for and, sure. and not not through any fault of the Canadian Open and the organizing committee, but like you said, for a second straight year, they got shafted, 
right? Like they got put in a terrible situation uh, with golf news heading into the only tournament in Canada on the PGA schedule, right? But uh, Nick Taylor saves that with that putt. He saves that by winning. Um, I saw a lot of people saying this is going to go down as a top three, top five moment in Canadian sports. That might be pushing it a little bit, right? Let, let's cool things off for a week here before we start trying to figure out where that putt is. But you're right. Like it's going to ride Canadian golf on a high, uh, at least through this year, right? And it's going to be a memory that people will remember, right? People will remember that putt because it did. It, it did bring the energy. What's the top Canadian sports moment? Because I think it's it's hands down undoubtedly this moment for me. But I wonder if it's the same one for you. Um, I think because of our generation, it might be the same. Is it not the golden goal? It's got to be the golden goal, right? I mean, but it, it really comes down to I think two things: is either golden goal or Henderson, right? It's got the Summit Series. It's, it's got to be one of the two things. And either way, it's hockey. But I think the, I mean for sure for us, the golden goal is the Canadian moment and that maybe you know what same olympics another great candidate for best canadian moment that that moment made me cry too so well you know why it's funny we say that because uh even you know sports fans obviously but we have no reason to remember bilado's name right he was a mogul's skier but he won that gold and now forever for the rest of our lives we will remember that name and remember that moment. So he's got that, right? He's got that in his back pocket. Wherever so maybe that makes it, is right now. Maybe that makes that the the ultimate Canadian moment. Because, I mean, we know who Sidney Crosby was before the golden goal, right? But Alexandre Bielado is known for one thing and one thing alone. And you will probably never hear or see him again besides... You know, maybe if the Olympics go back to Vancouver, he'll have the torch or something silly like that because of one moment and a huge moment. But one moment made okay. him made him. Maybe I think that's it. I think we've changed it. We figured it out. So we got one more non-sports thing to talk about. Do you want yeah, to talk want, about it really quick? You want to get to this or do you want to? I think maybe we'll finish the show with this once we do some sports because we're right up against the wall for this okay. segment in terms of time. Um, we've got basketball coming up. We'll talk some Toronto Blue Jays later on in the show um, and Major League Baseball. And then we'll get to sports but non-sports um, and another frustrating news coming out earlier this week at the back end of the show. But when we come back, Kelsey Nicole Nelson is going to join us. We'll recap the NBA Finals and the Denver, Denver Nuggets winning the NBA championship here in 2023. That comes up on the other side of the break here on the Smitty and Mitty Show. The curling season is just about over, but it's a great time to get ready for next year with the Gold Line end of season sale. Jackets, vests, shoes, and brooms. Check out all the deals at goldlinecurling.com. Gold Line, the choice of champions. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things, get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. You're listening to The Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show here on Rogers TV for another week. Joining us here to discuss the NBA playoffs, the NBA finals, and everything basketball, longtime friend of the show, Kelsey Nicole Nelson. Kelsey, welcome back. Good to see you again. 
Thank you so much for having me. I guess I keep doing something right if I get the invite back, but such a fun time to join you all. As here in the US, we're getting ready for another yet NBA championship parade, but this time out in Denver. So again, just excited to be here and talk all things basketball. <laughs> yeah. When is parade? When is it? Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> It was it's so nice. We talked about it earlier in the show. We were supposed to have you on earlier in the week and everything got bumped around, which was yes. actually perfect. Yes. Now we get to talk <laughs> about the NBA finals. Yeah. Um, first of all, I mean, I think it kind of went the way that we expected it to go. Yeah. And it just kind of looked like the Miami Heat were out of luck. They were out of steam. <laughs> and those role players just weren't doing what they did earlier in the playoffs. Yeah. I think you said it right. You know, I think many of us had Denver in five or six games. Let's be honest. But I think we all love a good underdog story, especially here um, in the U.S. And, you know, Jimmy Butler, our Hemi Butler, he is him, playoff Jimmy, whatever you want to call him. We know how fabulous he's been the duration of the NBA playoffs. But if you look at his point production and the NBA finals, it like started high and it started to dwindle. And at times he seemed a bit apprehensive. And the thing about Miami, it's great to have a good player like Jimmy. But as you said, the role players have been key. Why Miami has been so fun to watch. It's really been a next man up type of basketball game, right? Whether it was Gabe Benson who had a bright spot or Caleb Martin um, who had a bright spot. Of course, Bam Adebayo always needing, um, I think, also to be that guy. But I just think with Miami, you know, they ran out of steam. They ran out of heat, pun intended, all yes. <laughs> because, and, you know, they just look outpowered, outmanned, especially, you know, in the paint. You know, I think that's a place where Denver was really able um, to get an advantage over Miami. Miami, both on the offensive side, um, getting points in the paint, but also on the defensive side. You know, Bam did have a good game in the finals where he was able to have, um, you know, large rebounds. But again, you know, just Denver having that size, that star power, that manpower. Um, and I guess now the respect that Jamal Murray has been asking for, um, you know, will be placed on Denver. And I think people forget too, the veteran leadership that's on that veteran bench um, in Denver. They have a lot of guys, you know, that have that, that experience. And that mentality, um, you know, to help this team go push farther. I think we can also have to give credit to Coach Malone. But all in all, I don't know if there's any surprises. You know, I think maybe some people thought Miami would give a bigger punch, you know. And, and I think and people in the U.S. also love a good seven-game series because a lot of people after NBA is over, like, what, well, what do we do now? <laughs> so I think that's why some folks wanted, you know, that longer series. But all in all, I think we're just all excited to witness history. 47 years. And finally, you know, we have a different, we have a different, you know, thing to think about Denver for. And now it's championship basketball. And that was, you know, can can they run it back? Can they repeat? What's the next step for Denver um, to continue on? But on and on, sorry to the 305 and, and Miami. And now Miami has to think about, you know, what pieces they need to potentially rebuild um, and get back there for a franchise that really has done well thus far. Um, when you look at, you know, their playoffs, um, you know, um, just production as a franchise. Yeah, it's tough for a team like Miami to look back on the playoffs and really this entire season and be upset because they made it to the NBA Finals when, uh, and let's be honest, yeah, let's be honest, nobody expected them (laughs) to be where they were, but they got there, and as Tyler put it, they they really just ran out of gas, and they ran into the best basketball team this season, Denver Nuggets, and and Nikola Jokic, and uh, (laughs) and a shout-out as well to Jamal Murray, who is a Canadian uh, uh, yes, Canada. Uh, the international players yes. are doing it. I just got to give them a shout out. A Canadian and a Serbian were the ones that got the job done for Denver. So shout out to all the international folks. <laughs> uh, Jamal uh, grew up just down the road from where we record here, about an hour oh, from cool. uh, from our recording. So uh, we'll give a quick shout out there. But uh, we saw a Denver team that really took control throughout the course of the series. 
And uh, for a lot of us here, especially us on the East Coast, you don't get to watch a whole lot of, you know, Denver Nuggets basketball games. We've got to see a Nikola Jokic and a guy that really is a character, a personality in the NBA. Yeah. I completely agree with you. And first off, there's something in the water there that maybe you guys have some magical Jamal Murray powers too for what, from what we saw, you know, in the playoffs. And even honestly, if you think about his story though, coming back from injury, right. And having to fight back. Um, I think, you know, just, and I think you saw that emotion when they were able to win that trophy. I was just, I don't know how you can't be happy, you know, for a guy like Jamal Murray, because coming back from injury, you just never know. You never know if you're going to be the same type of player. So obviously happy for him. Nicole Jokic, I think we're all happy, but I think we all love his daughter a little bit more now than him. I think she definitely stole the show <laughs> um, during the championship aspect part. But you know, I think for Denver, the big question we had all the time was, okay, Denver can be a one seed during the regular season, but could they get the job done in the postseason, right? And so many people just counted them out, you know, in the West. We thought about so many different teams. You know, Phoenix was supposed to be a team, right, that many thought would be here. Oh, they've got KD. Problem solved. We saw how they fell short. You know, the Golden state warriors even though they had horrible road record you know throughout um, the regular season because they had Steph Curry because they have all those shooters on the team even people thought you know what maybe they'll be able to get over those woes and they'll be able to get back there so I think you know Denver was finally saying and I think the thing about Denver that's so special you talk about Nikola Jokic yes he's a two-time MVP now finals um, MVP but I think he's a guy that folks just didn't fully know about you know a lot of us know his story you know and you know coming from Serbia loving his horses but a guy that really had to transform his body and his basketball skills to become a really good player in the NBA. And then, you know, you look at this Denver team, they might not have the flashiest names, right? I mean, if you, you know, and these are guys maybe that don't have personalities like some of these other NBA players, you know, have. Like, if you think about it, do, do we ever get crazy storylines coming out of Denver? No, you know, we don't get the Kyrie Irving kind of storylines come. So these are really guys that just love the game of basketball, you know, and have kind of built their brand, but they just kind of, they go out and play. But all in all, I think, you know, I think, I think we didn't realize again, that this Denver team was for real. This is a team that can score. This is a team that can play good defense. The way that they were able to set up screens and how effective their screens were on the basketball court. I mean, all in all, this Denver basketball team really did have it all. And, you know, and anytime you get teammates, I don't think people like anytime you get teammates that are able to get triple doubles in a game. Y'all, that's special. That does not happen. <laughs> I mean, something is. And then when they weren't able to get at the next game, then they were able to have other players step up. And that's what basketball is. Again, the next man up mentality. That's a team, you know, Michael Porter is struggling or when KCP is struggling shooting. I mean, they still were able, you know, to get productivity from other. I mean, Aaron Gordon, who had him being a top, you know, scorer in, in one of the finals games. I mean, but this is that mentality. I think Denver kind of has been that place that guys have kind of had to revive themselves, build new identities for themselves. You know, KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, remember covering him um, and, you know, just seeing him kind of be able to rebrand and rebuild with this Denver team. And if you look at him through the playoffs, he had some good stretches um, where he was really able to help this Denver team. I think all in all, Denver has built a new identity. I do think now, as we look at the NBA offseason, Denver has now made itself a, a destination city that players really do have to take seriously and potentially look at on their quest for rings. And I think before Denver just was not that. Um, and who wouldn't want to play with, you know, Nikola Jokic? I mean, the man can do it all. And he's just so humble about it. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it gets any like better than a teammate like Nikola Jokic. So all in all, I think Denver Denver has done the job that needs to be done. But of course, now, you know, it's an it's a kind of what's next. And now it's if Denver can keep this up, because as we know, the West is going to rebuild. The West is going to recharge. Um, and, you know, will Denver be able 
to keep or sustain the success that they just had. Oh no, you know, I'm looking forward, you know, just to, to them celebrating and enjoying this, but you know, the work is never done in the NBA. You, you want another one, you know, you get your first one. We don't want to wait 47 more years. We just don't want to wait 47 more years. So they're going to have to find a way, um, I think, to keep this championship mentality um, in Denver. And again, just, you know, what other guys can you get to support um, your star players? Because as we know in basketball, you need more, you need more and anything can happen. So who will be those guys? Um, that Denver will continue to need? Because obviously that's the same questions Miami is asking right now. And that's why there's so many rumors about Miami and who might potentially um, be a place for Miami because folks are just seeing that consistency um, is not there for Miami with guys really outside of um, Jimmy Butler and, you know, Bam Adebayo. I think he's been consistent for the most part, but even Bam, I think could have more consistency, um, especially as a big man. So all in all, again, I think we saw what, what what's good for Denver, but I also think we saw some gaps that Denver could fix if they are to potentially bring back another chance championship to the great state of Colorado and hopefully Jokic made it home to his horses like did he not <laughs> did, did he not look like a man who was just kind of like complacent with winning the NBA championship like it, yes. it looked like it was just another day and he honestly looked like a man that was so hurt and homesick and he just yes. wanted to be home he didn't care about the parade he didn't care <laughs> about the media he didn't care about the confetti he cared about getting home and it, it, it as much as like we can sit here and laugh about it, it does kind of a little bit. It doesn't concern me because really, like whatever. Yeah. And obviously, he, he's he's away from home for so long, but it does add this little flair to him where it's like, how long? It's not even how long is he going to do it, but I think it's a concern to have that clearly the guy was, I mean, hurt to be in North America. Like we forget, <laughs> we forget that these players aren't like we think that the NBA is the NBA. It's where. Like it's, it's North American sports. We don't think about it. It's an overseas game for some of these guys who are away from home for months at a time. Completely agree with you. And, but I think that's also what makes us like Nikola Jokic. Like, I mean, like he was like nonchalant, but it's also like, he's just like a homebody that happens to also be one of the greatest athletes right now in the game of basketball. Like I love when he turned around and asked his PR, like, wait, when's the parade? And he's like, wait, it's coming up Thursday. Like I want to get home to my family. Um, and I think that's what we have to remember. You know, there's so much more than basketball. And I think honestly, the NBA with some of the storylines they had this, this season, you know, with kind of the John Morant saga and everything else. I think they kind of do need a guy like a Nikola Jokic who, again, he just wants to play basketball and go home to his wife and kids <laughs> and enjoy, enjoy his horses. I mean, I feel like it's like the, you know, we think we talk about the American dream, you know, getting that house, that white picket fence and having a family. Well, I think now we're getting a taste of the Serbian dream, you know, to be able to, to get it done in the sport that you love um and then again just go back to to your piece and i think that's what makes Nikola Jokic so relatable to so many folks because you know a lot of people you want to work hard you want that recognition uh but not everybody's flashy and i think that's how it relates kind of to the, the the normal man and normal woman um and again i think that's why you just never hear anything bad about Nikola Jokic because he plays basketball he does what needs to be done there was a great piece uh coach Malone actually did talking about his trip to Serbia and actually getting to stay with Jokic and his family and just how much, you know, that helped him connect, kind of learn some of those cultural things and what makes him special. But it talks about too, like how focused Jokic is though when he plays the game of basketball. So always carrying, you know, Serbia near and dear to his heart when he plays basketball, like that's what it's about, you know, for those 48 minutes, that's what, that's what it's about. That's what he wants to do. Um, and that's what he wants to dedicate to. But, you know, to your point, if we have to be worried, I don't think so. I think the money is a little bit good and we know Jokic's future, the money is going to probably stay good because I mean, again, if you're, triple double king and you keep playing basketball the way it is i mean let's be honest we're talking about nicole Jokic. people are starting to mention his name and some of the greatest centers 
in basketball. You know, I just think it would be hard to, you know, potentially walk away from that. Um, because I think, I think even though basketball might not be his first love, I think he's growing to love the game. I think he's seeing how people are really growing to love him and embrace him, embrace his family. And so I say, you know, why leave that? I think we have a lot more good years from Nikola Jokic, but maybe we just have to import some of those Serbian horses somehow to the U.S. <laughs> to keep him a little bit happy, whatever way we can um, to keep a guy like that. Yeah, just here and, and giving us good basketball games. All right, let's go from one Serbian to another, and we're going to move north of the border <laughs> to the Toronto Raptors. Ooh, and yeah. I think Masai Ujiri hates the fans because now we have to learn how to say this because oh, I'm, about to, I'm, about, <laughs> I'm about to butcher this name and I'm going to butcher it for, for years to come. But Darko Rajakovic, I think yeah. that's right. Sounds pretty good to me, Fred. I'm guessing. That sounded right. Thank I'm you. like, that sounded Thank right. <laughs> how, what do you know about him? What can the Toronto Raptors expect in, in a search that seemed to have a lot of big names, including a, a Canadian and, and Steve Nash. And you end up with a, an assistant coach coming from Serbia, an international thing, which Mazai loves to do. What do you know about the new Toronto Raptors coach? I think to your point, we have a lot of questions, but you know, to be fair, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, let's remember when Joe Mazzulla took the helm in Boston, right? People knew a little bit about him, didn't know the full thing. And of course the Ime Yudoka story, you know, it kind of all happened so rapidly, but you look at the success the Boston Celtics had under him. And sometimes you could use that fresh new blood. You know, I think there was a lot of questions, right? After the Nick Nurse thing and, you know, what's next. Um, I think for the Raptors, I think they're definitely a team that honestly only have up to go. Again, let's think about how competitive the NBA is about to get. I mean, right now, what's happening? We're hearing about so many rumors, right? We're we're, we're talking about, you know, the future of Dame Lillard here in, in Washington, D.C. It's who wants to get Bradley Bill potentially and, you know, who's willing to take on that no trade clause and that in that contract, right? So you're, you're hearing all these rumors and whispers, but I think what we're hearing is these teams ready to charge up. James Harden, right? And what's next for that? Zaga? Kyrie Irving, you know, know what that what's that feature going to be LeBron James is he really going to retire which he's not but nonetheless you know all these conversations you know are, are happening so I feel that to say I think for the Raptors you look at a team I think have potential this year and just obviously fell short I think I think with sometimes when you get somebody new who thinks differently who does things differently I do think that could be a positive and as we just talked about before what we're saying this game is changing the game is changing with the players internationally. And I think even just the style of play is good. I mean, we talk about the Euro step now, like it's just, you know, it's normal, right? I mean, it's been integrated um, into the game of basketball. So all in all to say, I think, I think there's a bright spot, but know also that there's usually going to be growing pains also. Like you can't expect to, you know, start somebody and just like, oh, everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be, you know, it's not like that because you have to get grown men to mesh. You have to get grown men to buy into the system and you have to get these grown men to believe. So all in all, you know, I think the Raptors are going to have work to do. I say don't expect it in year one, but I also, this is a franchise that wants success that once winning and, and better believe in the interview process that I think that's one of the top things that came up. But anytime you get, you know, somebody that people just haven't aren't familiar with, there's always going to be people doing this, scratching their head, you know, asking questions. Um, but sometimes that can be, again, the greatest thing. Why are we talking about Doc Rivers so much? We know Doc, we know his scheme of play, but then we also feel like we get the same results. Right. <laughs> I mean, and that's nothing against him. I think sometimes, you know, sometimes it just happens to be the team. But that's why I think when you when something when the bar has to be set and you don't have the exact expectations as people just don't know. I think you only have up to go. So all in all, those in Canada, I'd say, have no fear. New coaches here. And I think there's going to be hopefully just again, just more positive because they have some pieces there. 
I think the Raptors have pieces there. It's now about just meshing it all together. And honestly, I actually like watching the Raptors games, the ones that I can watch. Of course, usually when the Wizards play them, I actually really enjoy the talent there. And I, you know, the Wizards, the Raptors aren't a, a bottom team, you know, they weren't the Pistons. Um, but, you know, you also, we also didn't expect them, right, to be the Denver Nuggets, you know, this past season. So it's like, how do you kind of get out that middle of the bunch pack and then really start to rebuild their identity? And I think that's what the Raptors are in need of right now, because I really don't think we know who that Raptors team currently is. Um, as compiled now the raptors sorry go ahead tyler sorry sure i just (laughs) wanted i just wanted to say i think the the hiring kind of to me tips off where the ownership group and you know the and bobby webster and the whole group thinks that this team is going i think they they showed their hand a little bit by saying that there there is going to be a bit of a rebuild here they don't want to be that team that's just going to be middle pack that they were forever um they want to be a team that's that's going to kind of build back up, and they're going to do that right. with a new coach. And I think it, it was just it was just them showing exactly if they were to go out and hire a Steve Nash or somebody like that, uh, I would say a proven coach. Although I think Steve was done a bit dirty, but either way, <laughs> that's if a they, <laughs> yeah, If they were to to have hired one of those big name coaches, I think that would be like we're here to win now. And I just that's not where they are. And they yeah. hang their hat in in the press conference with the new coach. It was just constantly. You know, we're celebrating four years ago. We won the championship four years ago. It's like, okay, four years ago. Let's move on. Let's do something else. Yeah. And I think this was their way of saying that it's going to be a while, but let's right. start from the bottom and build our way up a little bit. That part. Yeah, started from the bottom. Now we're here, like you said. That's something, it's not going to be a quick process. It's not going to be a quick process. But I think they're saying like, this is the start. And change is coming, change of coach. And again, that's why you're going to have to look at that roster um, and see, you know, pieces that might stay and pieces that might go. But, you know, no rebuilds are easy. Like, look, look what's happening right now with the Houston Rockets, right? We've been trying to, we've been watching that rebuild, right? And that it's a process, you know, and they're trying to find the right pieces. But, you know, also through this rebuild process, how many folks would raise their hand right now and say we have the Houston Rockets winning the championship next year? Should be zero right? Because they're still in that rebuild process. They're still finding those key pieces um, and those key guys. So it can be hard, but it's needed. And that's something we're talking about in Washington. That's why right now Washington has some new leadership um, in that front office, because you can't keep expecting mediocrity for fans, for players, and, you know, for coaches light. Something's got to change. And usually it'll start um, either with that head coach or in that front office. Now the Raptors on the note of the rebuild, uh, one of their big stars already has opted out and will be hitting free agency. And that's Fred Van Vliet. Do you see yeah. any teams that might be a good fit for Freddie um, and where he might land coming in free agency? Oh, this, this one's good. You know, Fred Van Vliet, you know, obviously a guy that all of us, if you're a basketball fan, you love watching this game. He's a guy that can do it offensively. I think maybe my one question is just about the consistency, um, you know, night in and night out. And, you know, I think he adds, I think he adds an important piece. I feel like his name isn't being mentioned as much. And of course, it makes sense when you have a guy like Brad, you know, who obviously Bradley Bill scoring about 27 points a game right now, but has an injury history. And of course, Dave Lillard. So it's going to be fun to talk about. Um, but, you know, Fred, there's a couple of teams I feel like that could use it, you know, a, like let's talk about Chris Paul right I mean Chris Paul was a question mark I think you know I don't know how people were surprised by that but of course Chris Paul's age um comes into factor you know I think his injury history or can he keep healthy that's going to come into question where I think a guy like Fred I don't think you worry as much about the injuries I think again it's about that consistency factor um you know where he could potentially be but all in all I think Fred Bambley great player great guy um but it's interesting for one because we've 
I mean, you've gotten so used to watching him, right? With the Raptors and with that team, but it goes back to what we're talking about. Change has to happen and it can't happen as currently constructed. So it's going to be fun to watch, um, you know, where he lands. Hopefully for Fred, I, I, I just, I really want the best for him. I think he's a guy that NBA fans, again, you just like, you want to root for him um, and you just know what should be best for him. I'm curious though, for can for Canadians, I mean, for you guys right now, watching a guy, you know, like Fred VanVleet, who's been there so long, just what's the reaction been on that side? The curling season is just about over, but it's a great time to get ready for next year with the Gold Line end of season sale. Jackets, vests, shoes, and brooms. Check out all the deals at goldlinecurling.com. Gold Line, the choice of champions. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. This is the Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show here on the TSMS Radio Network and the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast. Back from break and back after uh, an interview. Kelsey Nicole Nelson joining us here on the show to discuss the NBA Finals and everything we needed to know about the Denver Nuggets being crowned the NBA champions here in 2023. So a big congratulations to them once again. We don't want to get uh, you know caught on that too much, though, because we got a lot of sports to get to still here in the show. And now we move on to baseball. The Toronto Blue Jays. Do you want to start with the Jays? Do you want to start with some more vague MLB stuff? Where, where are we going with this? I want to start with the Oakland Athletics, the okay. the current Oakland Athletics, because for and I, I'm sure everyone has seen the video earlier this week. They the fans threw like a an anti protest and actually went to an Athletics game for the first time in a long time. And they had 27,700 and change, I believe, in the building. Which, which I, 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 is funny for a couple things. One, even when they throw an anti-protest, they can't fill the building. Yeah. Which is kind of funny to me. It's a big and, building. It's a big building. You got to give them that. Uh, and, and I mean, t- well, I mean, 27,000 is half the Rogers Center. A little bit more. Just, yeah. just over half. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that building is full almost every weekend the Jays are in town. Now, regular like weekdays, sure. But if you were throwing a special event, yeah, I mean the, it would be full. There would be forty thousand people there. It just and it it it's here here's the thing, Oakland fans. If you would do that throughout the year, you wouldn't be losing your team to Las Vegas. I mean, it's it's a the typical question of what what came first, the chicken or the egg? What came first, the ownership not spending or the fans not coming? Because I would argue, even when the Oakland Athletics were in the playoffs, there still wasn't a full building. No, well, and then you look back into the history uh, once again. I like to try to make the argument that they play in a big in a big ballpark, but that's not the case because there's plenty of other teams that play in big ballparks and they sell it out or at least get close to it. Um, some teams with a little bit more history, but whatever. They have struggled with attendance forever, right? We're talking about before me and you were born. The A's were having trouble with attendance. They had their good decade, right? They were good. And then things have really fluttered off here. 
right? Moneyball. You talk about Moneyball. This is 20 years ago, man. That Moneyball season was 20 years ago. And it feels even like then, been in that, they've, been, they've been in that flunk for two, three decades. I mean, sure, they had full crowds that and some enthusiasm and a lot of fans out to those games. But it took a team that literally was setting records for a win streak to get people into the building. That's what it took. The The best win streak in Major League Baseball history is what it took to get people into that building. It's just funny to me where you throw a protest and you kind of blame the ownership group for not spending money, which, okay, they don't spend money. I understand that. But you do need to look at yourself a little bit that you didn't support the team almost at all. And, I mean, it has to do, too, with them not getting a stadium. I'm not putting it all on the fans by any means because I'm sure there is a fan base there to be had. But it just looks silly to me when the reason you're in this mess is because there was no tickets almost, no tickets sold. Well, exactly, right? And now they're the hottest team in baseball. I think they've won seven straight as, <laughs> yeah, as we talk that, right now. The, as we speak, that game, uh, that reverse boycott game, they also happen to beat the beat the Tampa Bay Rays and and win their seventh straight ball game. So uh, by no means have they turned things around. They're still like 20 some odd games behind below 500. Yeah, They're only 18 and a half back of a, of a wild card spot. Right. But the sad thing is, is that like, <laughs> yeah, they could, they could win another 12, right? They could win another 13 games. They could go on to set the record and they wouldn't be at 500. <laughs> right. That is terrible. That is terrible. That is crazy to think of. And like we talk about trades so much, we'll talk about some trades here with the Blue Jays soon. But there's nobody on that Oakland Athletic team that you would really want in a trade. Like really, yeah, there's no one, right? There's no big, there's no names on that team. You can't blame them for not going to games, right? I wouldn't go to an Oakland Athletics game. The Coliseum was falling apart. The sewage was going out onto your feet, and the team sucked. No thanks. I'd rather spend my five dollars and go get myself a Big Mac. But hey, the Vegas Athletics. Are, uh, have been approved. A new stadium has been approved in Las Vegas. Do you think they're going to keep the athletics name? I don't know if we've talked about this, but like, no, they can't, right? Uh, I don't think so. Vegas considers themselves to be too unique of a town to keep something, right? Like, there's no way they would go through with that. They got to be like the Vegas Blackjacks, right? Blackjacks, uh, something gambling, but like also MLB, ooh, frowned upon gambling. Although it's coming around a little bit. It's coming around a little bit. Even the thought about going to Vegas wouldn't have occurred to them. It's, it's just one of the, one of these teams have to be the Blackjacks. One of them, they have to be the. Uh, I think their WNBA team is the Aces, right? Yeah. So you can steer clear of that and still go gambling by going with the Blackjacks. I like it. Um, the Aviators are the AAA team, and the Golden the Snake Knights. Eyes. How about that? Right. Like, what about like the the Las Vegas slot machines? Okay. Okay. What? That's good. A slot machines. I yeah. see. I thought you said SWAT machines. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. You just okay. put a quarter in and it raids you. Yeah. No. I think the Snake Eyes is a better. I like Snake yeah. Eyes. Yeah, there's a reason why I don't name teams. Uh, anyways, we got about five minutes here. Let's get to Blue Jays because there is some Toronto Blue Jays stuff to talk about. As we work through the middle of the week here, obviously the Blue Jays still in the middle of a series with the Orioles. By the time this gets to you, You'll know how that went. But prior to that, Mr. Middleton, some better baseball by the Toronto Blue Jays, the the boys of summer in blue. I just, I feel like, I feel like I'm lost because all I hear about on, tri- on Toronto 
and not just from like from the fans either, but from the personalities is how this team needs to turn it around or they need to sell. I don't get it. That like I feel like I'm missing something. I just don't know. I this is what I think, and this is my if a conspiracy theory, if you will. I think the Toronto Blue Jays and their fans have been so used to winning games with big boppers and big home runs that they just are not equipped to see a team that's built to win 5-4-5-3-2-1-3-2 close games. The the games that you need to win in the playoffs. I don't think they're equipped to seeing that and it just it throws them completely off. They're like where where's the home run power? Where is it? It's just not what they're built for. Yeah. And like- they are like they're not getting timely hits. I get that. But I, I think in game one of the Orioles series, they had something like 15 hits. Like, come on. Give them some credit. It's not like the offense is gone. It's not like the pit, the pitching has been phenomenal, really, for the most part. The bullpen has been very sturdy. You found Nate Pearson, who is seems to be a back-end guy for you for future. And the offense is putting up hits galore. They're just not getting those clutch hits to drive in runs. Like, I just I, – I need Toronto to calm down and stop Torontoing. Well, you're right. It's almost as if uh, because we haven't seen a game where four guys went back to back and hit it up into the upper deck that we're all freaking out, right? Like it's a little bit of a different Toronto Blue Jays team. Uh, it's a team that uh, is above 500 by a decent margin, but also trails by some games in the wild card, trails by a bunch in the AL East. But once again, you go back to how good the AL East is. It's going to be tough, but the Blue Jays are going to have to try to fight their way into a wild card spot which by no means here in mid-June, they are out of anything, right? Like this season could go any which direction. Well, the Blue Jays are not doing anything right now to make you work. Now, we talked a couple of weeks ago, or last week on the show, I believe, about Alec Manoa getting sent down to the Complex League. We're still going to get to see here in the first few weeks of that if that affects the Toronto Blue Jays. Really, the way he's been pitching... It can't be any worse having a hole there in the rotation than what his starts have been given you. So we'll have to wait and see. And we also saw Hunjin Ryu is throwing a live bullpen, so he's starting to work his way back. Um, so that's some help there. I mean, obviously, they're the the they need another starter. And I, you could go out and make a trade, but you got nobody really to trade in the minor leagues either. So I think you just kind of, kind of have to roll with this, let Brown Francis be – what he's going to be is kind of your only option here. I, this, this was my, I, I have one big question for you. I know we're going to run out of time here. Well, we got some time. We got, some- I have a, I have a, a weird trade proposal for you. Okay. Go shoot. Do you think the blue Jays would be willing to move on from Dal- Dalton bar show? Mm, I think they might. And I wonder if, the St. Louis Cardinals, after having some animosity between their coach and Tyler O'Neill, would be willing for what would be a fairly big return. I think it would cost you definitely Varsho because he is your controllable outfielder who gives them something. And it would probably cost you Oravos Martinez maybe and another low-end arm, maybe uh, a double-A arm. But you think the Blue Jays and the Cardinals could find a way to make each other better and get rid of somebody who's just not agreeing with the new coach in St. Louis? Plus, Tyler O'Neill gets to come home. Plus, it gives him, it gives the Blue Jays a power number four bat. 
I don't know. It's just I was thinking of this earlier, and I think it might fit. I don't. I don't know if that's a move the Jays would make. I don't know if that's enough of a an improvement. Like Dalton Varsho has not been bad this year, right? He's not been a piece that uh, I think the Jays have rolled across their mind as a piece to move. Do you think he's an All Star though? I don't think so, but that's, that's fine. What, that's, what everyone... Tyler O'Neal, that's what Tyler O'Neill gives you. He gives I don't you think power. Tyler O'Neill gives you All Star. He was an All Star. It's not even a question. He he's not going to be this year because he has been hurt early in the year. But he was an all-star last year and the year before. But sure, people can have all-star years. I, I don't know. I don't know if the trade-off is there with that. Like, I don't know if you're winning by a lot. And to mess up and, and to and to trade away a piece that hasn't done anything to make you want to trade him, just for a guy that you think can be a little bit better. I just don't know if that's something the Jays want to risk at this point. What if you can get a if it's a one for one, maybe, but I don't think that like there's no point. No, I don't think they would do that. But that's kind of my point. I don't think St. Louis would do that because they would be losing too much value there. That's kind of my point. You're obviously getting an upgrade in the outfield. It's upgrade. just what piece you have to go back with you. you well, lose a little bit of utility. You know, right? Yeah, Varsho can play a few positions. He can catch, I guess, for you, but. I don't know. It was just something I thought of earlier that that might fit. You might even be able to get an iron back like a Stephen Matz, somebody that can uh, that can jump into a rotation or play as even a spot for you in the bullpen. Just saying. It was just a thought I had. Because we're getting to that point. Just rolls we're getting to that. Well, I, I just I thought of uh, Jack Flaherty, but that was maybe a little high on the totem pole there. I don't know. It just it's a t- it comes a time where you got to start thinking about trades, and the Blue Jays tend to like to do trades earlier than later to get a little extra time and they don't have too much in their minor league system. That's going to get them a return. So if you have to pull from them, the major league roster, I just, it was, it was just a thought. It was a thought that I thought was interesting and that the fan base would get behind bringing back a Canadian. That's not a bad thought. Not a bad thought. It'll take, uh, it'll be interesting to see what the blue Jays do. I don't know if they'll make any big moves to be honest with you. I just, I don't think they can. You got no pieces. You're not getting rid of Ricky depleted. Yeah. They depleted everything they had. Uh, in the purse, right? Uh, they're they're all out of moves to make the big ones, the big ones at least, I think. And that's not a bad thing, right? That tells you everyone in that locker room, focus up. Here you go. You guys are the guys. Go get it, right? I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, we're right up against the wall here, Smitty Mitty Show. When we come back, we'll discuss some big news this week from around the media world and the media landscape here in Canada, uh, and maybe vent ourselves a little bit. A little bit frustrating. Smitty Mitty Show returns here on the TSMS Radio Network. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today... I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. The curling season is just about over, but it's a great time to get ready for next year with the Gold Line end of season sale. Jackets, vests, shoes, and brooms. Check out all the deals at goldlinecurling.com. Gold Line, the choice of champions. Now back to the Smitty and Mitty Show.
All right, welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show here on the TSMS Radio Network and the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast. We're going to wrap things up here on the show for this week uh, with some, what do you call this? Like, is this sad news? Is this just upsetting news at this point? Uh, Earlier on this week, announced that uh, Bell Media has laid off close to 1,300 employees across the country, shuttered the doors at six more radio stations, including a couple of TSN stations, uh, one being in Edmonton. Mitty, what is going on? Like, when is this going to end? Will it end? It's not... Yeah, it's not even like it's just so frustrating and it's not even like i understand like we can understand how radio can struggle at times especially am stations cannot do well and you do have the opportunity to switch over to fm that's a whole nother story but they just seem to not be bothered the problem is they seem to not be bothered about the people either like it's one thing to have your corporation just kind of fail in a way and and kind of time out if you will but it's another thing to treat your employees like they're rag dolls that don't have families and lives and don't depend on their income like those are two very different things i think that's where the frustration comes for a lot of people well and i I, that's exactly where it comes from because if you were to like i don't think we're saying talking about this if bell goes oh in two months by the way we're going to exactly six radio stations but once again and i say once again because it's not the first time it's happened in the last couple of years once again, we wake up, people get into work to find that 11 a.m. the station goes silent once again. And it's just at this point, it's getting ridiculous, right? These people have lives, they have families to feed, and now they roll into work on a Wednesday morning and find out they don't have a job. It's ridiculous at this point. Let alone, like if, if you work for a, a, a TSN station in Toronto that is still running, why would you want to stay there? Like, honestly, if I was Sportsnet right now, I would jump in and try and swoop every single one of the personalities that you want. Because why would you stay there? Why would you stay there if if you've seen your fellow Bell employees just be treated like dirt and thrown to the side constantly? Like, at least go find yourself a job that an organization that seems to at least care. And it's not like they don't fire people either, but at least they don't fire you en masse and just leave you on the streets. Well, apparently the future is in podcasting. So if you're listening, thank you. We are the future and we we still, you know what the best part about being a podcaster and employing yourself is? We can't fire ourselves. Well, we can, but I get to plus make- Plus with like, plus we were smart enough to jump on some online stations. Yeah, we get to make the choice if we fire ourselves. And, 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 and an amazing station at CFOS. Thank you. And if you guys are run by Bell, we apologize. Yeah, I don't think they are. It's basically- I don't think so. We're good. We're, we're good. We're good <laughs> off the, all around the hooks. Uh, big thank you to our sponsors, Goldline Curling, the Choice of Champions, and Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial. Life is brighter under the sun. That does it for us here on the Smitty and Mitty Show this week. More sports content comes your way on the TSMS Radio Network next week.